0: Greetings in in Jesus' name, and I welcome each and every one of you to this portion of the service here today. I uh, I was thinking about it today on what to share, like every time it's my my turn to share, and I spend time in prayer and ask God what He wants me to share today, and then you still come down to the actual fact. You you. Uh, Where exactly are you going with this message? So anyway, but my mind was drawn to Philippians 3. And uh, those that know me, I guess you probably have figured out I thoroughly love the books of Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. So I'm not going to apologize for it. I do believe there's enough in there. We could probably preach out of them almost every Sunday for several years and never really uh, get boring. So anyway, but Philippians 3 today, and I've kind of titled this uh, our purpose and pursuing God and what is our purpose. So I got, a, I got a story or two here to begin with that I'd like to share with you guys from Jeff Streit. And uh, do you know what your purpose is? And I did think about this with our meetings last weekend. It was a blessing to see each one that came out, supported the meetings, and uh, just the encouragement that we received through there. And, and some of them them sessions on idolatry or love, sin, and it was good times. But now what do we do this week? What do we do next week? Are them just things of the past that we no longer think about? Or have we allowed it to actually change our heart and, and, and use it in our pursuit of, of uh, a Christ-like spirit? But anyway, so what is your purpose? What are you doing with life? One of the most challenging courses at the University of Denver was a business law class in which a professor gave different true and false tests. During one of the more difficult exams, the professor noticed another student flipping a coin. The professor approached him. Son, are you guessing on this test, he asked. No, sir, replied the the student. I'm just checking my answers. It does seem like some people spend all their life flipping a coin and just wondering where they're going. Yogi Berra says, if you don't know where you're going, you're likely to end up someplace else. A church went out into the street corner and asked the question, what is your purpose in life? They got all kinds of answers. This is just a random corner they stopped at. Different ones said, I can't say I know the purpose. I think after I die, I'll find out what the purpose of life is. My purpose? Another one answered, my purpose? I think my purpose is I don't know. Some had the idea that the purpose in life and their answers indicated their purpose in life centered around themselves. Fun, happy, a good time, enjoying my life, to have as much fun in as short a time as possible was our purpose in life. We do understand in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon talks about pleasure, accomplishments, pursuit of wisdom, learning, power, position, riches, and security all end in vanity. So it kind of brought me back to think about this. I would hope and pray that as a church, if we ask that question, what is your purpose? We would not get some of those answers. We would not say, well, hey, when we die, we'll figure out what the purpose of life was. So I'm turning to Philippians 3 with that kind of in mind as we look at this chapter here today. We will see how far we get in the chapter, and then we will go from there. But I do want to, a couple things before I start, Paul was sitting in prison once again, writing to uh, the Philippians, and Actually, the purpose of the book of Philippians is to thank them for the generous gift they had given him. And you can, and he states that in chapter four. And to encourage them and strengthen them by showing what true joy only comes by Jesus Christ. Paul started this church at Philippi on his second missionary journey. So just to give you a little bit of a back tense, that's where it's at. He was most likely chained to a Roman guard in a dungeon somewhere as he pens these words out. So I'd like you to think about that for a moment. We sit in pretty comfortable, you know, nice easy pews here today, go home to a nice house and uh, live a fairly comfortable life. I don't think probably there's a one of us here understand what chained to a Roman guard would actually be like. And sitting in their prisons, From what I understand, their prisons of that day would make our prisons today look like Taj Mahal. So think about that just a little bit as he writes these words and where your true joy and your pursuit and what you press for in life comes from. I'm going to go ahead and read the first 11 verses of Philippians 3, and uh, we'll get started. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord, for for me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. For we, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If, any, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in flesh, I more so. Circumcised at the eighth day, the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law. A Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I counted loss for Christ. Yet, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death, if by any means I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. Like I said, I'm going to stop there and go back and take a look at these first few verses briefly, and we'll see how far we get here today. But rejoice in the Lord. So... Here again, and, he, and Paul is sitting in this prison and he says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. And I had to think about that quite a while because I think in our purpose in life, in our pursuit of godliness, we can actually say that we can rejoice in the Lord even when our circumstances and our situations are not ideal. You see, sometimes I put joy And happiness in exactly the same box. And that's not right. I think sometimes we associate joy with just being happy. Sometimes we're happy because the day is good. Something positive went our way. Things happen. But actual joy, and to say you rejoice in Christ, is the inner peace that comes only from Jesus Christ. And there's two differences. I think sometimes people say, well, how can I be joyful? My life's falling apart. I got no one. I got this problem. I got that problem. I got all this stuff. And I think we confuse happiness with being a person that can honestly say we rejoice. And I love the fact that Paul starts off this this chapter with this. He says, there's joy in believing. There's joy in Jesus Christ and the peace that he gives you. And I believe if we are going to actually come to the point where we have found this uh, Christ-like godliness in our life, it has to start with our understanding that our circumstances should not jurisdict our joy in Jesus Christ. I know that's a mouthful. And I know it's a whole lot easier for me to tell you this on a Sunday morning standing up here than to live it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday when everything goes wrong. But I think it's such an important point, that's why I mention it here today. Because I do believe, if we can't come to the point that we have our security in Jesus Christ, and we can rejoice in the fact, even if we're chained to a Roman guard, then we have missed out on Jesus Christ. I'm not going to ruin the whole rest of the chapter because that's where it all comes down to. It's Jesus Christ. But anyway, let me move on here. He, he states there this, beware of dogs, and he states several, several issues they had. And a lot of these issues had to do with Judaism, which was uh, legalistics, if I can put it that way, or people that were Jews that expected the Gentiles to, follow the, to really be fulfilled and to be a real true Christian. You had to follow the law of Moses. So if a Gentile, they, they did actually, if I understand it right, numerous other than these did believe that Jesus was the Messiah and the gospel was true, but they insisted that if you were a Gentile convert and you accepted Christ, in order to actually fulfill your place in this world, you had to follow the laws of Moses. So they had this, this back and forth. And I love, the he he uses some very direct words. He says, beware of dogs and of evil workers. False teachers. Legalists. Who said, you must go back. And in order to really find the true, the true meaning of life, is you've got to go back to the goal of Moses. You have to be circumcised. You have to do this, and you have to do that. He said, beware of these guys. These guys are here to trip you up. And I share that because at the end of Philippians 3, which I do know I'm not going to get there today, I'll be honest with you, but he talks about the other side that they struggled with the false teachers. So maybe next time we'll get into that. But I love the fact that he paralyzes. He says, these guys are following the law of Moses and missing the true reason that they're done. And folks, we got the same problem here today. People will try to follow a checkbox a list, and they very miss the very Christ that they're serving. He says, beware of false teachers, evil workers, righteousness by works only. You know, I'd like to think that this was some almost 2,000 years ago, probably not quite 2,000 years ago, and that we don't have these problems here today, but I would be joking you if I said that. Because we have exactly the same problems here today. Moving on in the next several verses there. Oh no, let me, let me back up here. Verses 3 and 4. Um, he says, for we, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. That verse is so critical because he says, Actually, the idea that God set up for the law of Moses, we now understand because of Jesus the Messiah. It's an awesome parallel. It's an exciting time. He says, we actually have it because of the Spirit of God living in us. We can rejoice because of that confidence. Not in confidence in the flesh. Not in the confidence that I am a good person. Not in the confidence that I'll try a little harder next week. But in the confidence of Jesus Christ. I found that verse so very enlightening to me this time. Who worship... God in the Spirit. See, they have came to the point where they understand it's not the circumcision that saves them. It's not all this other stuff. But we understand the true meaning which is God in the Spirit living in us, dwelling in us, and going out to the world around us. That doesn't mean they didn't follow the laws of Moses that still were right. It just means that they were doing it because they loved the Lord. And that was a beautiful thing to me. And uh, I know I've missed that in all... 40-some years of being alive, because that just jumped out to me, and I just had to share that with you. But then he goes on to his pedigree, I call it. And he states here, I was of the right tribe, I was of the right education, I had the right motivation, well, wrong motivation, and I was blameless by the law. But he was motivating. Paul, he was one of those guys that you wanted on on your team. Because he was the one that was willing to go out and right or wrong, he was going to carry out what he had a mission to do. He was a mover and shaker, as we'd call him in the world today. He didn't care. If he had right to right to arrest you and haul you off to prison, that's what he was doing. He said, I was persecuting the church. I was blameless concerning the law. He had all the right pedigree. I share that with you because sometimes today we kind of think we're pretty good people. And we're doing the right thing. And we come from good homes. And we do this and we do that. But all of that is rubbish if we've missed Jesus Christ. And that's what he gets into. And I love the fact that he, he actually states his credentials. He says, because if it was due to the flesh, I got them all. He says, uh, verse 3, he says, if it was, then there's no confidence in the flesh, because otherwise I have it checked off. I think he was thoroughly explaining to them the meaning of life. Then we get into the good stuff, verses 7 through 11, and I title this The Foundation. And as I stated, it'll be ongoing here, but the foundation of what really matters. So he's already a little bit addressed this. He says, rejoice in the Lord, and he says it again. He says, now that we actually have God's Spirit in us, he says we rejoice in Christ Jesus. So he's, he's addressed Having that peaceful and that joy in his heart because of Jesus Christ twice. Verse 7. What things were gained to me, these I counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord. He basically got to the point and he understood that what I count, what we count as earthly gain here today, and we say, well, we've done this, or we have this, we've accomplished this, we've done whatever you say, I count as loss. It doesn't mean that all he had done maybe was wrong. But he said, when it comes to the excellence of Jesus Christ, it is like nothing. And we might say, hey, we've been out evangelizing, and we've talked to the neighbors, and we've, you know, spent, I don't know, 300 hours telling people about Jesus. We spent years in service. God bless you. But ultimately, due to the excellence of Jesus Christ, it is like nothing. And all of those wonderful things we can do for Jesus Christ are wonderful if you're doing them out of a love and a care for Jesus Christ. But if you are doing them to win favor of what you think in God's eyes is rubbish. And that's basically what Paul is stating here. He goes on to say, he said, I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Now we know Paul was persecuting the actual church. But in his mind, he was doing what he thought he should be doing. So I'm trying to put it into today's words. And I think what we have to come to the point of understanding that what we are doing in amongst ourselves is rubbish. If it's not for the gain of Jesus Christ. Now when Christ gets a hold of your life, and you start living and sold out and dedicated to Him, then you will do a lot of the positive things He asks you to do, but it's all because of Him. It's no longer because of you. And there is a difference. Verse 9, be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. You see, Paul had attempted to find that righteousness himself. And he had utterly failed. No amount of self-improvement, discipline, religious effort can bring righteousness. And that's simply what he's stating. You can go through specific programs, listen to Favorite Preachers, have Favorite Podcasts, do all kinds of stuff. But in the end, it is exactly what Paul is stating here. And he says, it's all rubbish except for my faith in Jesus Christ. And why I label this a foundation? Because I think that is such a critical understanding that if we don't get a hold of the fact that everything we do is rubbish except in Jesus Christ, the rest is pointless. Absolutely pointless. I'm sorry to to be the the pessimistic person here this morning, I guess, but I do believe that without Jesus Christ, it's all garbage. And until we come to that knowledge and we say through our faith is where, where our, our salvation comes and through Jesus Christ and the faith in him, it's just absolutely trying with no victory. And I'm afraid sometimes we live in that, that state. We live in that state of saying, well, I'm fairly righteous according to my neighbor. I'm fairly good according to the law. I've done fairly well. And I think we have to come to this state, and and we'll um, address it a little bit later on, where Paul even says, I have not attained. But right now I want you to think about the fact that all of that stuff, except for the faith in Jesus Christ, will get you nowhere. Verse 10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. Verse 10 is where I think we have to hold on to with all our heart. Our power doesn't come from inward talents, our power doesn't come from being a good speaker or a good teacher. Our power in Jesus Christ doesn't come from self discipline, as I just mentioned. Our power comes from the resurrection of Jesus Christ because he overcame death. He overcame the grave and he's alive here today and you can tap into Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit living through you to live victorious and find a real purpose in life. We don't have to go back to the law of Moses. We don't have to go back to uh, whatever else they're talking about in order to find the real purpose and passion in our life. We have to get real with Jesus. That's where it's got to start. And that's where I love this foundation he has laid. He says, folks, everything I've done is rubbish. All for the gain of Christ. And it's wonderful. And he said this while he was living in Taj Mahal with some servants bringing him food, right? Wrong. He said this while he was chained to a Roman prison. Now, I'll be honest with you. If I was there, I would probably be going, now, God, um, you know, you blinded me on the road to Damascus and... Uh, You know, I gave my life to you and now I am doing what Paul does and that is going wholeheartedly and you lead me here? Uh, This ain't fair. But that's the selfish part of me. I'm ashamed to say it, but sometimes I look at life that way. Say, this ain't fair. I've tried God. I'm out here trying to preach the gospel. I'm trying to do what you asked me to do and I'm chained to a Roman prisoner wondering if I'm going to get fed tomorrow at says, it's all rubbish because I gained Jesus Christ. So I ask you that question here today, and we will pick up from here on as we move forward, if the good Lord wills. Are you willing to recognize your need for Christ? Are you willing to acknowledge our own weaknesses and rely on His strength for your power to be an overcomer so that you can have true joy as we walk this life? no matter what God has for you. May God bless you as we go from here today.